With every passing day, the crisis at America's southern border continues to grow out of control. The worst part about it, it was completely predictable. Also ahead, I'll talk to Megyn Kelly about the Royals and the rise of victimhood culture. And we'll be joined by Texas Senator Ted Cruz to discuss the growing migrant crisis. Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Uh, I think there is a challenge at the border that we are managing. Welcome to the Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. That's right. The border crisis. What border crisis? That was DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas just one week ago. We got an update from him, an email from DHS Secretary Mayorkas calling upon CBP volunteers. He says, you'll likely have seen the news about the overwhelming numbers of migrants seeking access to this country along the southwest border. President Biden and I are committed to ensuring our nation has a safe, orderly, and humane immigration system while continuing to balance all the other critical DHS missions. Basically calling out for help. There's no crisis, though. I mean, they're overwhelmed. The system is flooded. It can't function properly. You have kids in jail-like, and that's from the New York Times, jail-like facilities being held now at the point where they're overflowing and, and they can't manage this anymore, but there's no crisis. Oh, okay. Got to avoid that word. Although increasingly it gets more ridiculous, doesn't it? When you see the way the Democrats approach all of this, it's just about the optics. What's also very clear is that they're pretending that this is part of our immigration system when this was never supposed to be. We do not have a process for show up cross illegally, not even at a port of entry, as is often and generally the case here with these uh, migrants who are showing up. Surrender yourself to border patrol, claim defensive asylum after you've entered the country illegally, and then be processed, and by process they mean released into the interior of the United States. This happened before, we know what the result is, it is a backdoor entryway, skipping the line for immigration in the United States. It's exactly what's going on, and Democrats are pretending it's just a function of having some more buses deployed, having more people down there to do the processing. No, this is a de facto open border status right now. That's what this looks like. If you can get to our southern border and you know the words you're supposed to say so you can pass the credible fear test, process and let in the United States. The remain in Mexico policy, gone. Now you get to remain in the United States forever while you're waiting your asylum hearing. That's the whole point. So the Biden administration is getting exactly what it deserves. I would even argue what it wants here. It's just happening too quickly. That's the problem. People are seeing this and saying, hold on a second. Remember what Mallorca said recently, it's not that we don't want you to come here. It's that we want you to come and we're better prepared to accept you into the country. These are people going through the normal immigration process. This isn't with respect to U.S. laws. This is lawlessness, actually. We are processing people who are being detained in many cases. They're being detained for illegal crossing. Minors are showing up at the border, thousands of them. They're being held now and we're trying to find places to put them because we are a humane country. We are a decent country. But what's the whole point of having immigration law if people can just show up? Why do we have all these other things? Why do we have H-1B visas? Why do we have immigration attorneys? Why do we have all of this system, Customs and Border Patrol, Immigration and Customs Enforcement? If people can just show up, they want to be here, that's all it takes. By the way, is there any discussion among the American people about how many 
How many do we take in under this asylum program? How many hundreds of thousands more? I don't know. Maybe we could have that discussion. But Jen Psaki wants you to know, it's not because the Biden administration has clearly convinced not just the American people, but also much of the rest of the world that they would prefer to have an open border. They're just trying to get us there. Um, it's, it's about uh, some hurricanes that happened. Here's what uh, Saki Bomb said. There are a couple of reasons why we think people are coming to the border. Of course, uh, individuals are fleeing countries where individuals and families are, you know, they're fleeing prosecution, fleeing violence, fleeing economic hardships and other things. The region has also experienced two hurricanes in the fall, putting further stress on the conditions in these countries and the circumstances that are facing individuals. And all of this is taking place during a global pandemic that has impacted other countries. She said too much there. Economic hardship? Fleeing economic hardship is not the basis for an asylum request. Remember, you could apply for refugee status in another country. Asylum is when you show up and the whole, the whole reason for asylum is you're in such a desperate circumstance from politically motivated violence back home that you have to show up and, and request that the host country take you in. You're also supposed to request asylum in the first country you get to where you have a reasonable expectation of safety, which for Central American migrants would be Mexico, not the United States. You're not supposed to pick and choose which place has the best economy, the best benefits from the state. That's exactly what's going on here. Oh yes, and it, and it was the hurricanes that happened, that's why. Not that the Biden administration came in and everybody knows. Not that people are showing up, literally showing up at the border with Biden let us in t-shirts on. They seem to know. They seem to know what's going on, but we're supposed to pretend otherwise. Texas Governor Abbott all of a sudden has decided that he wants to be a Republican again in recent weeks. It's been a nice change. He's out there saying, no, it's the difference in policy that has resulted in this wave of migrants at the border. Play it. Let me begin by making one point very clear. There is a crisis on the Texas border right now uh, with the overwhelming number of people who are coming across the border. This crisis is a result of President Biden's open border policies. It invites illegal immigration and is creating a humanitarian crisis in Texas right now uh, that will grow increasingly worse by the day. In getting information in my meeting with the Border Patrol, I learned these things. And that is one of the reasons for this crisis that has led to a dramatic change in just a few months is the change in policy. The policy change from Biden and his team. They came into office and said no deportations for 100 days. That sends a signal. They came into office and everybody knew that all of a sudden immigration law was racist. Gosh, the Democrats are the ones who have been sitting around allowing this to be the law. I mean, they're, they're, they're in power now. They were in power for eight years under the Obama administration. The immigration laws weren't racist then. They're just not enforced. That's the way this game is actually played, as we all know. This is only going to get worse, by the way. The media doesn't really want to focus on this because if the American people see what's actually happen, happening and the lawlessness and the way that we're being made fools of by thousands and thousands of individuals day in and day out who are showing up and saying, I'm just going to skip your whole immigration process. Forget about assimilation. Forget about immigration law. Forget about sovereignty. I want to be in America because I think it's better for me. Oh, okay. Well, is, is that now the... I, Democrats should be clear. Is that the justification for being an American? Because we better make room for a couple of hundred million people from around the world who want to show up here because, you know, it's a good place to be. 
And that's the country we're in right now, thanks to the Democrats. How are they going to stop this? Why would they even send any of these individuals back? We're a nation of immigrants. They're just undocumented. They don't want to send any of them back. Let them in. So why do we have immigration laws in the first place? They will not tell you what they really want to accomplish with this, which is, of course, eventual amnesty for millions and millions of people who are in the country illegally and hundreds of thousands who are just arriving in the country now. About 70,000 in, in January, over 100,000 is likely to be the figure for February. It'll be over 100,000 for the month of March, too, and going up and up and up into the summer. Yeah, this is what you get with the not radical at all Biden administration. Yeah, sure. Oh, one, one more thing about Biden. Um, this is a guy who came in promising you that he would be a moderate. Yeah, we'll get into that and more coming up in a bit. Up next, we got Megyn Kelly taking some heat for her critique of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's pity party with Oprah Winfrey. We've got uh, Megyn Kelly, host of the Megyn Kelly podcast with us next. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could really start to run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. It's who I get my gold and silver from. Call them right now, 833-600-GOLD, 833-600-G-O-L-D. Despite the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, the exploding crisis at our southern border, millions of Americans currently still unemployed, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's victimhood has taken over the news cycle. Since the bombshell interview aired on Sunday with Oprah, it's becoming very apparent that people are either with the couple or against them. No in-between allowed. And if you dare criticize these very privileged ex-royals, you'll be deemed racist by the woke mob. Well, our next guest isn't holding back on calling out the unaware couple. Joining me now is journalist and host of the Megyn Kelly Show podcast, Miss Megyn Kelly. Megyn, great to see you. Hey, Buck. Great to be with you. So we have an update, and that is that Buckingham Palace has released a very... Buckingham Palace-like statement on this. The whole family is saddened. The issues raised are concerning. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be loved family members. So a kind of boilerplate whatever from, from the royal communications arm here. I'm somebody who takes the position that the royal family does not matter to America and should not matter since around the late 1770s. Uh, but this clearly has become an enormous American and British and really global news story. Why? Why does this matter so much? Well, I think liberals love the monarchy, and so they're into it no matter what. And I think conservatives don't love the monarchy, but they don't like woke victim culture. And this was that on full display. So even conservatives who weren't really excited to watch Oprah interview these folks are tuning in now like, wait, what? You can become a princess? You can move into a castle? You can have your every whim met and, and need met? And you're still finding a way to be the victim at all times because you had to go to 
uh, on a tour of Australia and smile a lot. That was a tough moment for you. And I'm supposed to feel sorry for you or Prince Harry who like, I was cut off. How was I gonna pay for security for my child after he quit? He quit the royal family. Usually if you quit your job, your paycheck stops. So he quit and they said no more security payments for you. And he was like, oh my God, my security. And meanwhile, it's like, all I had to live on was my mother's inheritance, which according to reports are between 15 and $25 million. Now, I, I do pretty well on that, I'll be honest with you. I'd actually be just fine with 15 or 20 million if I was left that. But nonetheless, you know, Megan, you're, you're talking about how privileged these two are. And it is, I mean, in, in, in a global sense too, people look at the, the English, uh, British royal family and they say, you know, that's something that's out of a, out of a fairy tale, as you mentioned. But there's, there's the greatest of all situations would be to be privileged and to be a victim at the same time. And the way to get that across was obviously to introduce the issue of race. Meghan Markle said this, rude and racist aren't the same thing. Just to remind everybody, play it. If members of his family say, well, this is what's happened to all of us, or if his, you know, if, if they can compare what the experience that I went through was similar to what has been shared with us. Kate was called Weighty Katie, waiting to marry William. While I imagine that was really hard, and I do, I can't picture what that felt like. This is not the same. And if a member of his family will comfortably say, we've all had to deal with things that are rude, rude and racist are not the same. First of all, weighty Katie. I mean, why is she even telling us about these internal family conversations that aren't, that aren't racist, have nothing to do with it. But even beyond that, what did you make of this? It, it seems very convenient to introduce race into this narrative of these two obviously very privileged people. So Weighty Katie was something that the British tabloids referred to Kate Middleton as because they're basically saying she's waiting around right. to marry William. She, I think she intentionally picked one of the most vanilla um, criticisms of Kate or critiques because it's easy to dismiss, right? It's a straw man. I mean, the British tabloids have been pretty brutal. Look back at what they wrote about Fergie. Remember all the stuff she took? It wasn't racist, but it certainly was very sexist and it was weightist and it was all the otherists. Look, it's not to say that it's pleasant for Meghan Markle to read nasty things about herself in the press. And there absolutely were some very racist headlines. I've seen them. But the vast majority of the press was absolutely loving toward her. They were in love with her, the British people, the British press. And then things turned. They turned when the reports of Meghan's behavior started to turn. Reports about how she really wanted the tiara with the emeralds in it. And that's the only one she wanted. And reports of Harry saying things like what Meghan wants, Meghan gets. And reports of Meghan being abusive toward people inside of the palace walls. All that was out there. And the British people didn't take very kindly to that. And the British press didn't either. Look, Buck, I've been the scourge of the media. It isn't fun. I understand it can cause real stress, but let's not kid ourselves. It comes with a job. It comes with my job, it comes with your job, and it absolutely comes with her job. And for her to now be claiming shock, shock that there was gambling at the casino, is just it just feels off. Yeah, it seems like she wants all the upside of a very privileged position, truly privileged. And that word is thrown around a lot these days, you know, as though a, uh, you know, a, a working class plumber from Oklahoma is supposed to go around constantly apologizing because he's a male or he's white or whatever the case may be. But this is real privilege when you're a multimillionaire, globally famous celebrity living in actual palaces. I think we could all we could all agree on that. But you mentioned being the the scourge of the media. Uh, Piers Morgan, you appeared on on his show yesterday, and I, I know I wanted to ask you about that exchange. But also, there's been a little bit more stuff going on with Piers. Here's what happened. 
understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meghan Markle or had one and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. OK, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry, no. Oh, uh, Sorry. So, do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe not my no, own. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm being... Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. <laughs> he just walked off set. Megan, more than just walking off set, apparently now he's walked off that job. ITV has said that they have parted ways. Surprising to you? What's going on here? I'm shocked. It's more than surprising. I'm shocked. Piers been, has been hosting that show, which is hugely popular. He and Susanna keep getting voted number one morning hosts over there. And I've been on Good Morning Britain many, many times. And he, Piers Morgan, he's always on the edge, right? That's not new for him. That's kind of his trademark, right? That's his bread and butter to like push the, the envelope. And they seem to love that about him. I, I know he got a bunch of complaints um, over the past 24 hours because he threw the hooey card on basically everything she said. And it seemed to sweep up even her claims of mental health distress, her claims that she was suicidal. And that led to a lot of like 40,000 complaints, I think, or some sort of huge number. And today he clarified it saying he, d he didn't mean to attack that particular claim, but just he, does, he doesn't believe in her credibility. I don't know if there was a bigger row, as the Brits say, about that particular comment than we knew. But he, to me, even prior to that exchange you just played, because I watched the preceding 14-minute segment, seemed like a man who was on the edge. He seemed angry going into it. And I, just as a television person, it said to me, I bet you there was something before he went out on the set between him and somebody, and he was loaded for bear, and that guy pressed his last, last button. So I don't know. I don't know how it went down, but it was shocking. Megan, you mentioned that you've been at the center of the storm of, of the media outrage machinery and, and clearly have, have come out from it uh, learning some things about the fairness or lack thereof of the way that the corporate media will, will treat uh, different, whether it's a different individual, different issue. We're seeing cancel culture right now that it, it's like we're creating a parody of what the left would like to do. And I, I think that the, the Harry and Meghan issue is, is, is tied into, there's this idea of victimology and we have to live in this constant world of intersectionality and different competing groups of, uh, you know, that are oppressing one another. And so we have to get rid of all this different, uh, all these different cartoon characters. We actually have a, a screenshot here. We got Mr. Potato Head. Now, to be fair, Mr. Potato Head went back. It was going to be just Potato Head. Then they went back. But they tried to cancel Mr. Potato Head. We got those six <laughs> Dr. Seuss books. We've got uh, Speedy Gonzalez. I think I'm still allowed to say it. Speedy Gonzalez, who is now gone as a longtime beloved cartoon character. And Pepe Le Pew. And this is for real, Megan. I don't even know if you saw this. Because he perpetuates rape culture. He's a, he is a talking, he is a talking skunk and a cartoon at that. It feels like they're just trying to, like the left is just trying to see what they can get away with these days. You know, but this stinks. <laughs> it's just, but it does, it stinks. Indeed. It's ridiculous. I sent out a tweet the other day that, uh, it was this picture I found online. It basically said, what kind of a world is it where Nicki Minaj wins um, song of the year for a song that's wet ass P word and we have to cancel Dr. Seuss. Like what, have we lost our ever loving minds because he, Dr. Seuss is offensive, but wet ass P word over and over and over with all of its lyrics. Yay, feminism. I don't, I'm not feeling it. I don't think the average American is feeling it. I think they see the gross double standards. I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks a skunk is going to make a woman more open to uh, dating a man who's into rape. 
or make a man more likely to rape. Uh, it's just we've lost our ever loving minds, and I think it's driving people insane, right? Like, and then they have, they go into their job at Coca Cola, and they're told they're terrible because they were born with white skin, which is essentially what Coke did. I, it's like everywhere, and if we don't fight back against this divisive, like hate, it feels like cultural poison, better. Megan. It feels like cultural poison. Yes, it absolutely is, and, it, and it's it's cross. It's not just race; it's gender. It's as you point out, you know, the the, the skunk has offended people. The the Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head was offensive because he had a Mister. It's not like like he, I, you're not yeah, allowed to I have mean, any gender now. You, it's not about being supportive of somebody who's trans. You just can't have a gender. Just having a gender is offensive. Well, too bad. Too bad. There are many of us who have a gender and we're happy to say it and we believe women are the ones who menstruate and we don't find that offensive. And if we don't start saying that stuff, more people than the few people who speak out are just gonna keep taking beatings like JK Rowling or whomever, Piers Morgan, uh, whatever. We gotta, we gotta stand tall on this stuff, Megan. The fight's not over, not by a long shot, but good to see you. Everyone should check out the Megan Kelly podcast. Megan, always appreciate you. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Buck. Thanks for having me. All right, coming back up here in just a second, want to get into all of the latest with the anti-Trump Lincoln Project. We got accusations of self-dealing and sexual impropriety. We got that next on The Buck Brief. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own? I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investment, but I didn't know how to get started in real estate. Well, fulfilling all my other obligations, right? I'm really busy. I know you are too. You got a lot going on. How are we ever going to take the time on our own to figure out how to invest in real estate? Well, then about a year ago, I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they've already done for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. They'll take you through the whole process of finding the city you want to invest in, picking the house, getting the whole transaction done, getting the funding set up so you can actually close, and then getting the tenant and also the management company in place. So you just sit back and get a check. Go to doneforyoubuck.com today. Again, that's doneforyoubuck.com. Yesterday, the New York Times released a bombshell report on the ill deeds of the now infamous Lincoln Project, a massive anti-Trump super PAC run by disgruntled former GOP consultants. In the last few months, news has broken about how one of the founders, John Weaver, supposedly engaged in inappropriate behavior and conduct with young men, some of whom were underage. It was later learned the group covered up the scandal and did little to reprimand Weaver when informed about his conduct internally. Now we've learned even more about this organization's lack of ethics, apparently even after internal complaints against Weaver were made, uh, including him, that they were including him in a new media venture. That's right. They decided to include him even after those complaints came out. So how do they continue to get away with such graft and grift? The media and the powers that be let them slide under the radar because they were useful attack dogs against Trump. Let's dive into all of this on The Buck Brief. So they're not useful for the left the way they were to defeat Trump. And all of a sudden you're seeing the Lincoln Project get fed to the wolves, although they, can, they entirely deserve it. I can't even begin to tell you how much so. 
but for a long time they were media darlings. They raised almost 90 million dollars. This group of buffoons and clowns and ne'er-do-wells, 90 million dollars. Here's the New York Times says about John Weaver, who as we know is the guy accused of the sexual misconduct. Last June an employee for a company hired by the Lincoln Project warned in an email that Mr. Weaver's conduct was potentially fatal to the organization's image. The email sent to a board member and circulated to other leaders described multiple instances of harassment. It said Weaver's behavior was already damaging relationships with vendors and offered to put leaders in contact with some of the men involved. So last June, they were warned about this and they did not care. In fact, they continued on to have discussions about using all the money that there's John Weaver, using all the money that they had raised for the creation of, as Steve Schmidt put it, one of the founders, a billion dollar media organization. That's right, they were gonna try to take the Lincoln Project and create a billion dollar media entity by pulling together the money that they were raising. Remember, the whole game here was that they're actually Republicans who hate Trump and will do everything to stop him. So for their willingness to be turncoats, to be traitors to their own party, they raked in a lot of cash overwhelmingly from left-wing donors, even some left-wing billionaires, but that's the reality of what the Lincoln Project was. How did the media treat this disgusting organization? Like heroes, of course, you knew that. Here you go, oh, we got so much of it. Uh, CNN praise of the Lincoln Project included Lincoln Mitchell writing that if the Lincoln Project anti-Trump ads are effective, the group could empower a handful of political consultants who will be well positioned to influence the new president or help remake conservative politics. And we got so much of this. Uh, Lincoln Project scathing new TV ad, Flag of Trees, in $500,000 ad spot will run in Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, D.C. Hits Trump's record on race. I mean, you just go through all of this. Uh, you know, Joy, Joy Reid, this is so good. And yes, members of the Project Lincoln team will be on the Reid Out tonight. I guess that's, that's her show. Um, it's just endless amounts of, oh, the Lincoln Project is amazing. It's just a bunch of people who were political assassins for hire doing whatever will make them the most money. They have no principles, but of, of course, the whole premise is that they're the principled ones. That's the great irony of the whole situation. And that was ridiculous even before we knew that one of the founders was allegedly texting people, offering them sex for jobs, and even allegedly texting underage males uh, about, you know, and, and what is being called a possible grooming attempt. That's what was going on with this group, and yet, the media thought they were fantastic. It's almost like they had their own show over at MSNBC. They were on night after night, Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt. And this becomes the, the Democrat fantasy that half the country doesn't agree with them. That, that goes away, right? They, they figure, oh no, those are just the bad Republicans that Trump has brainwashed. There are these other Republicans like the Lincoln Project people. They're really speaking to the GOP. That's really what the GOP is all about. No, not true in the least. Um, I mean, they even went after Donald Trump Jr. I mean, we have this, the Lincoln Project put this out in October of last year. We fixed Donald Trump Jr.'s career, all of the, they were just a propaganda mill for anti-Trumpism and it was a highly profitable venture, but they were scummy and unethical the whole time. They were trying to take anyone down who tried to defend the president in the most personal terms. And now the whole thing collapses into, oh, that's right, it was a grift. It was a grift all along. A bunch of grifters getting together, pretending that their opposition to Trump was rooted in the deepest and most worthy principle when the opposite was the truth all along.
I think there's I think there's a lesson in this. Oh, and the mainstream media, the corporate media, I should say, held them up at every opportunity, elevated them at every opportunity as though they were the great truth tellers of the GOP. Don't watch CNN to find out what conservatives think. That much I can tell you. Despite over a week of denials, the White House is finally acknowledging that something's going on on the southern border. So what can be done to alleviate the issue, if anything? And also got some other stories we want to get to with Senator Ted Cruz of Texas up next. As we played for you earlier in the show last week, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said there is no crisis at the border. But now the Biden administration is asking for help to deal with the surge. In an email obtained by Fox News, Secretary Mayorkas told DHS staff that he's activated the volunteer force to support Customs and Border Protection because overwhelming numbers of migrants are seeking access to the country along the southwest border. Overwhelming. This comes as new reports show that there are more than 3,200 unaccompanied migrant children now in custody, a number that has tripled in just the past couple of weeks. Of those children, more than 1,360 have been detained in jail-like facilities beyond the 72 hours permitted by law. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is the Republican Senator from Texas, Ted Cruz. Senator Cruz, good to see you, sir. Bob, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. First, the border seems to be in crisis by any reasonable definition. What do you see going on and what has caused this? Well, I got to say, the facts you just reported on, they can't possibly be true, because if you turn on the mainstream media, nobody's reporting on them. We, we, we spent four years of the Trump presidency with the media lighting their hair on fire, screaming about kids in cages. Well, as, as you and I both knew and pointed out at the time, those cages were built by Barack Obama. And, and right now, today, we're seeing an incredible surge of unaccompanied children coming off across the border. And there's a reason for it. There is a cause and effect, which is Barack Obama and now Joe Biden promise amnesty. They have told people, if you come here as kids, you get to stay. You know, during the Obama administration, they asked all the unaccompanied kids who were coming, why are you coming? And the answer that they told DHS is because we get a permiso. In other words, we get here and we're allowed to stay. And the problem is you've got little boys and little girls who are being handed over to human traffickers, to violent cartels. These little kids are being physically assaulted, sexually assaulted. It is grotesque, it is inhuman, and it is getting worse under Joe Biden because his policies serve as a magnet to putting those kids in the place of abuse. If you want to be humane, if you want to be compassionate, then you secure the borders and you prevent kids from ever being put in the custody of human traffickers. Do you think that this is leading toward a further Democrat push for actual amnesty? And, and is that something that could get through the Senate if perhaps they decide that they're finally, the Democrats are finally willing to eliminate the filibuster? Uh, undoubtedly, that is where they're going. Joe Biden has already put forth an immigration plan that is the most radical immigration plan that has ever been put forth by an American president. Joe Biden has pr proposed American citizenship for everybody. Everyone here illegally, ali ali oxen free, everyone becomes a citizen. The rule of law doesn't matter. Joe Biden has directed DHS to stop enforcing the border. They've returned to catch and release. So if you're caught, you just get released. That's why we're seeing this surge of illegal immigration because they know the Biden administration is not gonna enforce the law. And I'll tell you one of the more stunning things, you've got some video up there right now of Biden signing executive orders. One of the more stunning orders he had 
is is to say and to propose that anyone who was deported in the last four years should be able to come back. Now that includes murderers, that includes rapists, that includes child molesters, that includes drunk drivers who have killed people on American roads. They are so radical that even violent criminals, if they were deported by the Trump administration, apparently the Biden administration wants them back here. That doesn't make any sense. And, and it's not consistent with what the vast majority of Americans believe. While the border crisis continues to unfold, Senator, we know that we have this $1.9 trillion spending bill, to call it a COVID relief bill, seems to give it more credit perhaps than it's due, or at least gives it the wrong focus. Here's what Jen Psaki said about some of the intent of the bill. The president is taking nothing for granted. Uh, I will note that um, the plan uh, that the Senate uh, passed this weekend puts us one huge step closer to passing one of the most consequential and most progressive pieces of legislation in American history. Most progressive pieces of legislation in history. That doesn't sound like the moderate centrist, you could trust good old blue collar Joe that we were promised, Senator. No, that th there's a reason Bernie Sanders and AOC are, are celebrating and, and Jen Psaki there actually appears to have accidentally spoken the truth. Um, you know, if you look at this bill, there, there are a couple of things to say about it. Number one, it would have been very simple for the Biden administration to pass bipartisan legislation focused on COVID relief. Last year, Congress came together and passed bipartisan legislation on COVID relief five times. Five times you saw Republicans and Democrats work together. Republicans were more than ready to roll up our sleeves and say, let's focus on vaccines, on distributing the vaccines, on supporting health care, on getting kids back to school, on providing relief for families that are hurting or helping small businesses open their doors. All of those could have passed with massive bipartisan majorities. The Biden administration decided it didn't want to do any of that. Instead, it handed the pen over, it handed the agenda over to the radical left, to the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC. And as Jen Psaki said, this is the most pro uh, progressive bill by which she means left-wing socialist knuckle-headed bill that has, that has passed in, in decades. And, you know, I, I do a podcast every week called Verdict with Ted Cruz. And the last podcast, what I talked about is if you wanted to sum up the Biden administration, the first six weeks of the Biden administration in three words, the three words would be boring, but radical. And, and by that, I mean, I think Joe Biden has made a political decision to be incredibly boring, that after four years of Donald Trump dominating the headlines, every tweet dominating the headlines, I think the Biden administration decided people were tired of that. And so let's just have good old Uncle Joe be boring and not make news. And he's managed to do that. Uh, you know, you think about there are not many days in, in the last six weeks where you've woken up and said, what did Joe Biden say today? Because most days he doesn't answer questions from reporters, he doesn't say much of anything. But that boring is a mask, it's a facade for an incredibly radical agenda. And, and Buck, I'll tell you three amendments that we voted on uh, in, in the, in the all-night voting session we had. Number one, an amendment that, that I co-sponsored that said these, these $1,400 stimulus checks shouldn't go to prisoners, shouldn't go to violent criminals, murderers and rapists and child molesters currently in prison. Every single Democrat voted no. So this money is going to murderers currently in prison. Secondly, an amendment I introduced that said we shouldn't be sending these $1,400 taxpayer checks to illegal aliens, the 12 million illegal aliens in the United States. Again, every single Democrat voted no. And a third amendment that I introduced 
provided that we need to open the schools. And it said the money that's being sent, the billions of dollars that are being sent to schools, the schools don't get the new money unless they actually open up and teach our kids. And if they don't open up, the parents and kids get scholarships up to $10,000 a student so that kids who haven't been being educated for a year can actually be educated. Every single Democrat voted no. This is a radical partisan agenda. And, and we're going to see a lot more of it from the Biden administration. Speaking of radical partisan agenda, Senator, before we let you go, Kristen Clark is a nominee to be Associate Attorney General for Civil Rights in this Department of Justice. And you've been trying to get the word out about some of her troubling past positions. And for one thing, she was a big believer in Jussie Smollett's hoax and thought that that was a, a major issue that we should all be paying big attention to. But you tweeted out, the Democratic Party so radicalized that Joe Biden has nominated Kristen Clark to be Assistant Attorney General in the Civil Rights Division. Not only did she celebrate a convicted cop killer, she has troubling ties to the anti-Semitic nation of Islam. Story that's not getting enough attention yet, Senator. I want to try to change that. And you can help us by telling us what do we need to know about this nominee to a very important role in the DOJ under this Biden administration? Well, you look at her record and, and, and it is a radical record. And by the way, there's a pattern, uh, uh, not only this nominee, but Vanita Gupta, who used to be the head of civil rights under the Obama administration and was just nominated for the number three position at the Department of Justice, just had her confirmation hearing today. In both instances, these individuals have had long careers, not as mainstream lawyers, not as demonstrating fidelity to law, but, it, but as radical left-wing activists. With respect to Ms. Clark, uh, she has vigorously defended a, a convicted and an admitted cop killer who murdered a police officer. Not only that, she organized a rally in support of the cop killer where she invited as a speaker a, a, a noted anti-Semite from the nation of Islam to speak in support of the cop killer. And this is who Joe Biden says should lead the civil rights division of the U.S. Department of Justice, someone who sides with cop killers over police officers, someone who is willing to celebrate and promote anti-Semitic hateful, hateful attacks. I, I, I think that is a very poor decision for a Department of Justice that's supposed to be fair and impartial and committed to the rule of law. Senator, you're going to have your hands full opposing the radical agenda. We appreciate you holding the line, though, sir. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Fellow Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton pops her head back up to take a shot at Republicans. That story and more coming up in Quick Hits, which is right after the break. You never thought COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might. Here's why. Cybercrime across the board during the pandemic has been up about 75%. And by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about is home title theft. That's right, cybercriminals foreign and domestic are now after our homes and it's easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now. The thief finds your home's title and forges your signature on a quit claim deed stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive. Insurance doesn't cover you and neither do common identity theft programs. That's why I protect my home with Home Title Lock. The instant Home Title Lock detects someone tampering with my home's title and register your address to see if you're already a victim of this crime and don't even know it yet. Then use code RADIO to receive 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, don't wait for this crime to hit you and go after the equity in your home. 
Use code RADIO after you go to HomeTitleLock.com for 30 free days of protection. Joe Biden has a senior moment. Hillary Clinton has a few words for Republicans. And Jen Psaki's getting tired of people asking, where's Joe? Those stories right now in Quick Kits. Let's start with uh, one that you can try to figure out your own explanation for this one, I guess. Joe Biden was at a ceremony talking about the elevation of two female generals to be four-star combatant commanders. He's at the Pentagon. He's got his Secretary of Defense right behind him. And he seemed to not be able to remember what the guy's name is. And I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general. But my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about and for recommending these two women for promotion. Thank you all. May God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Yeah, Joe Biden, sharp as a tack, never misses a beat. Yeah, you know, the guy who is over there at the place, the building with the little the five points or whatever, you know. Commander-in-Chief Joe Biden, everybody, there you go. We also have other things to get to today. I just want to note, though, that while the Democrats pretend that anybody who brings up Biden's cognitive decline is a terrible person is being dishonest, we're going to keep saying things like this, and you'll say, Hmm. Stacey Abrams. Uh, here's how she refers to protecting voting rights. We should have a baseline below which no state should be allowed to deny access to the ballot. That's the reason the election clause exists. And that's why it's so critical that we not only have H.R. 1 and S.R. 1, but H.R. 4, which is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, because that's going to be necessary to remedy whatever the U.S. Supreme Court does this coming week regarding the issue of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. We are at war fighting to protect our democracy from domestic enemies at this moment. And those domestic enemies should be renounced. They should be pushed back against, whether they're at the state level or the federal level. It is our responsibility in the wake of January 6th to hold fast to our belief in our democracy and to ensure that every eligible voter can cast a ballot and have that ballot counted. At war, she says. In this country. Right now, we're at war with the people that did what exactly? Who, who, who is it? The January 6th? No, oh, just Trump voters in general. Is that what it is? I just want to be very clear about that. Republicans, people that don't want to go along with the statist autocracy, the Democrats are ramming down all of our throats all the time, putting Joe Biden in charge of the country as if we're all supposed to think that that's a really serious decision, a really good move um, with the best interests of all in mind. Yeah. Speaking of Joe Biden, Jen Psaki's getting a lot of questions here about why doesn't Joe ever do press conferences? That seems like it's a pretty straightforward thing. Joe Biden should do press conferences, shouldn't he? Here's what she said. He has done about about 40 Q&As since he took office. But in terms of a uh, formal press conference, which I understand there's a big focus on, yes, we will have one before the end of the month. And what does it mean going forward? Will we see more of President Biden? Um, more than 40 Q&As in the last month, or? Where he will be submitted to more extensive questions, follow-ups, the kind of things we're doing today. Um, will, will we see him regularly? I don't know that you'll see him more than 40 times a month, but I'll have to tell, I'm happy to ask him that question. 
Really sticking to her talking point there, isn't she? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, more than 40 times. Is it, what day is it? Is it, is it Tuesday or is it more than 40 times day? She's right on it, not gonna move from it. Yeah, we mean Joe Biden has to stand there and answer questions and then can't just walk away when he doesn't wanna answer the question because he's just doing a little walk and talk thing with somebody. An actual formal press conference where he would subject, him, subject himself to the press corps that fawns over him anyway. But they're just, look, they're trying to hide from the, the inevitability. Joe Biden's been a gaffe machine his whole life, first of all. And second of all, now he's a gaffe machine in cognitive decline. We can all see it, but they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to accept it. So they act like the 40 times. That's all that really matters. He's done 40 press conferences. Oh, not press conferences. Q&As in which he can just look at a report and go, Mah, and walk away because he doesn't want to talk about it. That, does, that doesn't really count, does it? You know who you haven't heard from in a while? Hillary Clinton. She thinks that the country is in big trouble because, well, she's not president. That's one thing, but also the GOP, you see it on your screen, is a cult. And really, Representative Cheney was one of the very few Republicans in Congress who did stand up. And I give all of them who um, spoke up, uh, who voted for impeachment, who voted for conviction in the Senate, you know, credit for doing what was right. I just wish that more Republicans had had either the courage um, or uh, the uh, understanding of what uh, they needed to do, that they too had stood up and spoken out. Um, right now, Jonathan, um, it it is really troubling to see uh, the Republican Party turn themselves into a cult. That's right. Let's take advice on the GOP from Hillary Clinton. Or we can do the Liz Cheney and get a pat on the head from Hillary. That sounds nice. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. We've got the no spin news with Bill O'Reilly up next. Shields high.